Welcome to Season 4 of Healthcare Fraud Shield's podcast. As a reminder, Healthcare Fraud Shield is a software-as-a-service company focused solely on fraud, waste, and abuse, cost containment, and payment integrity. You can find more information about our various modules and offerings at our website at www.hcfraudshield.com. Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Fraud Shield podcast. My name is Karen Weintraub, and today I have with me, I'm so excited to talk to Kelly Hess. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you join us today because you have just such a, a vast amount of experience in this space. So why don't you introduce yourself and then uh, we'll we'll get uh, to the to the meat of the discussion after that. <laughs> okay. Um, hi, everybody. I am Kelly and Kelly Hess, and I am a senior um, investigator here at Healthcare Fraud Shield. Um, I started out getting my bachelor's in criminal justice administration, wanted to be a canine cop, but I didn't end up working out that way. So um, once I got through college, I ended up starting investigations, doing narcotic investigations for a couple of years. Um, shortly after that, I ended up going into the retail investigation world um, where I worked at three different major retailers and ended up as a territorial internal investigator and I loved it. I had 280 stores. My job was to review outlier reports, looking for those outliers and identify internal or employees um, that were completing various forms of theft uh, for shortages to the company. Um, I'd travel, I'd interview the people, I'd obtain written confessions and recover the loss to that company. Um, a friend of mine, actually from high school, was introduced me to some people she worked with, and they were at a Medicare ZPIC. So in no time, I was working with them and started my career in Medicare and DME investigations. Um, so since then, I had I stayed there for about eight years and ended up finding healthcare fraud shield. And after a few conversations with Karen, I st um, started the application process. And here I am about four and a half years later. Um, and I love it. So that's my little story. <laughs> All right, Kelly. So uh, as you said, you've been with us four and a half years. Um, you dig into data like no one I've ever seen. Uh, so seriously, I think it's amazing. And so I'm, I'm really excited to hear about some of the stories that you have and what we've been doing with the, the different podcasts this season is just talking to different people and, you know, some of their first experiences. So I know you've got some good ones. Um, so looking forward to hearing what, um, what comes to mind. So let's hear, let's hear what, what stories come to your mind that you'd love to share. Sure. Um, yeah, while I was at the ZPIC, I actually started out in DME. Um, and that's the time when um, DME was taken off in the sense of diabetic testing supplies, power wheelchairs, orthotic braces. Um, in no time, I had my plate full um, of learning the Medicare guidelines and the policies um, and learning the data. I knew numbers, but putting their data together was a little bit different. So I had to get that down. Um, and I was good at weeding out the billing errors. Um, a lot of times we'd get complaints. Um, and so we weed out the billing, actual billing errors versus those that were the meat investigations that really had the fraud, waste, or abuse. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of interesting invest investigations over the years. Um, 
this one particular one was working with a large DME company for diabetic testing supplies. Um, and they are a company that was throughout the United States. Um, data uh, was how I actually worked my investigations because the numbers always tell a story. When we looked at this, we usually received our leads by complaints or a proactive study. So this particular one was actually received as a complaint from a member that received too many testing strips. And after calling the DME supplier, they would continue to send her these supplies. The data was reviewed and yes, in fact, this member was receiving enough testing supplies to test five times a day when she actually only tested once. Um, also, at the same time, Medicare did not have edits in place, and so up to 12 different DME suppliers were sending her supplies during the, uh, that three-month period of time. So every three months, the same 12 suppliers were sending her out more stuff, and those supplies ranged anywhere between testing twice a day up to testing seven times a day. It was crazy. So she got tired of it, so she called and complained, and I got this investigation. So one of the first steps we always do is we have to call the member and ask them questions, whoever that complainant was. So I called her up, very nice lady to speak with over the phone, and she confirmed, yep, I've got a closet full of these boxes I have not even opened up. So um, I had her open up a box looking for packaging slips. There's no packaging slips. There's nothing on the outside of the box to say who it's from. Um, so it was difficult to say at the time which company was sending her what stuff other than me seeing it in the data and um, which would have been her like EOB statements as well. So she could see it that way. Um, but she was very nice in the end and confirmed she does test once a day. Um, but the, some days she didn't test and she always told me that at the very end, if I ever felt bad or off, just use peanut butter, tablespoon of peanut butter. This lady was 92 years old. So I was like, okay. Um, but we went further after I hung up the phone with her. Uh, I dug in further with the data. You have me stuck on peanut butter. I wonder what kind. <laughs> she didn't say, but she was hilarious. She just kind of said, if I feel off, I do a tablespoon of peanut butter. She goes, and that's the best medicine for anything. Interesting. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, you're good. Um so I went, looked further at the data um, and the supplier for this particular supplier. It was found that there's actually two referring providers that were outliers because you always, when it comes to DME or labs, you always want to look for who are the referring providers. So for this one, um, I had two that stuck out. It was really odd because one referred over 1500 members and the other had over 400 members. Normally you would see, you know, 10, 12, 20 members, maybe you're not going to see 1500. Um, so upon looking at that, um, they agreed to, uh, I talked to the providers, reached out to those providers um, and they agreed to give me a list of these members. They're saying I looked at, you know, I referred. So we sent them a list, um, of course, following the guidelines and the HIPAA and because their information was attached to those members, we could do that. Um, but we looked at it and found that they, in fact, of that list saw one of those members. Um, so we're like, 
okay, we need to reach out to CMS, our counterparts at CMS, and which is the Centers of Medicare and uh, Me Medicaid Services, and we suspended this provider. Um, the supplier obviously quickly reached out to find out what was going on. Um, but after some back and forth, they found out that they had a system update that caused these two um, provider numbers that were not really attached to one specific person, but it attached it now attached those numbers to these two specific um, providers. And so once it did that, they found out what the issue was. They went in and they cleaned up the issue um, enough that CMS was was happy about it that, okay, yeah, this was a system error, it's been fixed. We took them off a of suspension, um, but it was it it was a huge red flag because these two referring providers, one was in a small town in the middle of nowhere and the other one was in an island. So obviously they're not gonna have that many members, but in review of it, these members were from all across the country. And this is before telemedicine was really a big thing like it is today. So that was just huge. Um, and from that point, we looked at um, the beneficiary or the members with multiple DME suppliers, um, looking at those dieback texting. You know, why are we having all these one person having so many DME suppliers? You should have one. That's it. Um, so there are now edits in place, um, and then we put some in place for this particular beneficiary I talked to that day um, to put the edit in place. So you only have one supplier for the same item. Um, you can't have multiple suppliers giving you the same stuff. So later on, we did find um, where a similar edit we put into place later, where it's the same suppliers billing members for orthotic braces, you know, whether it be the wrist, the back, the ankle, the knee, the elbow, the shoulder, um, that got put into place as well. And so when we looked, I had some um, providers that were identified or members that were identified having the same back brace billed by multiple DME suppliers, again, in the same month or with over the course of a year. And those members were found to have what is a when you put all those braces together, it's almost like a mummy brace. You can't move. Um, but at the time, there was no edits in place. So that kind of panned out or that slowed the process. Um, but this particular provider I was referring to in the front with the diabetic testing, that provider um, ended up going back to being able to bill after they corrected their issue. So at the time, though, it was looking like a pretty darn good overpayment. But since they fixed the problem, we were good to go and they were good to move forward. Um, but I will say this, that the the data was showing us a lot of issues with um, multiple suppliers billing the same items. Um, in regards to the orthotics, I had a provider that had, we didn't know it at the time when they came to my ZPIC at the time we were called ZPICs instead of UPICs for Medicare. Um, but this one particular provider had already been to two other ZPICs and got um, placed on a prepay review. So nothing was getting paid. So they were flip flopping around the country to the different areas. They hit my country or my country, they hit my ZPIC and found 
where I saw that they were on suspension by other areas or prepay edits by other areas. So I could show enough that they would be um, on prepay edit the rest for all the rest of the country because they were finding a uh, friendly provider that was over a, um, I guess you could say, like a skilled nursing facility um, or a, a nursing facility. Um, and what they were doing is they were, you know, pretty much a kickback situation to get that single provider. And they were getting enough braces for somebody to be in that mummy effect. And these people were in skilled nursing and nursing homes, and they didn't need to have all this all these braces, um, it was ending up being between three to $5,000 per person. And if they truly wore these braces, they would be laying in bed, never moving. So um, that was another one that was just, it was crazy. And once we did, um, I think one, a couple places suspended them, but we ended up putting them on prepay edits. So nothing paid. So they were, couldn't go anywhere else at that time. So those were two of our major ones that I had. I had a, one other one that was kind of fun, um, had an internal medicine provider in a small town um, that he was actually over four to five different nursing homes or skilled nursings. And he had a um, physician assistant that was assigned to deal with the day-to-day -day affairs of these homes. Um, when it came to the, to the members and the beneficiaries and their day-to-day -day care, if they had any issues. Um, so, but once a month, this particular provider and his, M his PA would actually go to those homes and go see these patients. The director of nursing at, those, at these places would print a roster. And once um, the other two arrived, the director of nursing would assign a different nurse to walk with them as they went through the place and take notes, you know, anything that needed to be changed. Um, when I looked at the initial data for this particular provider that why we saw what was going on, he was identified as billing over 120 members on a single date of service. And those dates of service was primarily billed with a 99309 or a 99310, which is the higher codes and the highest code for nursing facility visits subsequent. Um, in short, we did an onsite. I went out there with some other people and, and some nurses and interviewed the provider. And it was, he was quick to specify he only or always down codes his visits, always. So we let him talk. We're like, okay, okay, that's what you have to say. Um, so at this point, he had no idea what we were really there for to dig in, other than we were looking at some of the higher EM codes for him and what was going on there. Um, but while we when we finished interviewing him, um, he and his PA left. We didn't know it at the time, but they left. And while we were continuing interviewing other people and obtaining the records, um, but it was, we left the, that day, went to the nursing homes the next day, as any investigator would, you got to cover your bases. So we went to the other nursing homes and asked for medical records to verify, you know, substantiate what he was doing versus what was ha really happening and found out about the rosters. We found out that they, the provider, the PA and the nurse would walk room to room with the roster list. And if 
I asked the question, you know, I was like, and asked the nurse, why, what do you do if the people are sleeping? How can you really do an evaluation when they're sleeping? Well, he would put the stethoscope up and listen to their heart. He would ask the nurse and the PA, is there anything different with this, you know, this patient this month? They said, no, okay, we move on. So he was spending a couple seconds per patient at times. Um, so we ended up uh, looking at, and when we talked to these nurses, we said, you know, how long was he here? You know, how long did you guys walk around when he came? And then he left. One location, he was there about 50 minutes, and he saw 46 patients. Um, at another location the same day, it ran a little over an hour, and he saw 57 patients. So each patient was either billed that 99309 or a 99310. And obviously, you know, that's not right. So in the end for that particular provider, we, he got a nice little education letter with a nice little overpayment. So those were some of my big ones that were just hit you in the head. Like this data is throwing things at you and you're like, there's no way until you go there and you verify it. And you're like, yeah, no. Right. So, well, and then also kind of with the experience that you've gained asking the right questions, uh, to, to know is, you know, are we seeing something that maybe is legit, but we're not, you know, you're, we're missing something that the data doesn't have, or, you know, does this guy have people that work for him that are using his ID? You know, there's a whole bunch of things, but I know people like you that have been doing this for, for a while know how to weed through that in the data. Um, are there... Are there any recommendations for people that maybe don't have as much data experience as you uh, to know what they don't know, I guess? <laughs> how do, they figure, how yeah. do they figure out what they don't know to figure out? I would say when you start looking at it, if something doesn't make sense, it's just not, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. And I kind of did this when I did my previous investigation life, whether it be loss prevention, internal investigations, narcotics, you, your gut is huge. Um, if that gut is screaming at you, these numbers on this data is not right, stop. Look at the policies. Look at the procedures for your client or where you're at. What are those guidelines? Um, and then see how they're billing it. Look at the data. Look at the whole picture. How are we billing this? How is the look at the a specific member for that provider and look at the dates of service and how is it being billed every time? You know, for those codes, put put the pieces of the puzzle together. And ask questions of your peers, ask questions of those above you that have been around for a minute, um, because they can guide you and where to look and where to go. And sometimes it's a rabbit hole, sometimes it's not. And when it's not that rabbit hole, you can be really surprised at what you're going to end up seeing. Um, you know, this particular guy we looked at, and yeah, you have the incident to services that were out there. And so... What we also found was that in his, the way they had their data, their computer system set up was that everything, although you look at the, the medical records and it was say Jane Doe was the PA, well then how come Sam Smith, the provider, is on all the other their NPI numbers on every single thing. So we had to weed all that out too with this guy. And But the bottom line was, yeah, he was he was going there once a month and he thought he was given exceptional services that way. 
But the reality is, is Medicare guidelines when it came to people in a skilled nursing or a nursing home that didn't have any new things going on with them did not require that once a month visit that he was doing, let alone billing at the highest two levels possible. So look at your guidelines. It takes, yes, it does take a little time to look at the different guidelines for the different procedure codes you're looking at, but you need to know those guidelines to hold these people accountable when the data is not shown what they should be doing. What is it, you just said exceptional care at a, at a, at a minute per patient, right? <laughs> approximately, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yes. Seems seems like that may not be exceptional care, but what do I know? <laughs> well, exactly. I think, I think we timed it out. One of the locations, it was, four, if I remember right, it was 47 seconds per member. Yeah. And the other place was a minute and five seconds. And uh, we're like, it's crazy. They're, and you're billing us for a, you know, 30 minute visit, 20, 25, 30 minute visit. Yeah, no. Yeah, so. that's crazy. Absolutely. Uh, so. So with all of these cases and the experience, so, you, you know, obviously you have the loss prevention, investigative experience, healthcare, we're talking almost 15 years. How do you think things are easier or harder today to detect and prevent fraud and, and why or why not? I think if you can rely, get that solid data. Solid numbers, solid data is your best tool. Um, you know, you do get the complaints, you get do get um, proactive studies and everything like that. But and a lot of the proactive studies come are based upon the data. So you have that solid data foundation. That is the best tool. Um, it has become more difficult in some senses, in the sense that some of these, as the term I've heard before, the fraudsters, um, start becoming smart and breaking up those codes. You know, when you look at a lab that is billing for 30 codes, 30 procedure codes or, you know, tests that they're doing, where they're unbundling those tests, they start breaking them down into, okay, instead of one claim with 30 30 lab tests, we're now looking at five claims with, you know, five or six lab tests. So they're not, they're trying not to be that outlier. Um, so they're, they're getting a little bit smarter and trying to do that. However, when you start looking at how I break it down and I start looking at a member, I don't look at just how many claims they have. I like how many dates of service do they have? So when I'm looking at one date of service with five claims, my first question is why? Why do I have that many claims on one day to service? They're not a big hospital. They could be doing all these tests of, you know, and procedures and everything for somebody that was in a major accident, but you're looking at a lab billing and, you know, five or six claims on the same day to service. That's a flag to me, you know, right. and that just comes based on experience. Um, but when you start seeing that, you know, ask somebody who's around you or pick up the phone and call your counterpart and say, hey, I'm seeing this. Is this normal? And the answer is no, that's not normal to have that many claims on a specific data service when all the procedures are different on that claim, on each yeah. claim. And these are the kinds of things that, you know, as technology has evolved, you know, that I know we incorporate as well as being, that's the kind of thing that you could identify using artificial intelligence, um, different types of analytics. Um, so maybe from that perspective, as technology gets smarter, we're able to, you know, 
be one step ahead of what they're doing. So even if they are breaking it out on different claims, you know, you can look at things just like you're like you would look at it. You know, technology is doing it as well um, to be able to say, hey, this is excessive. This doesn't make sense. This person's getting 15, 20 procedures in a day, which we've seen from the labs, especially uh, doesn't matter how many claims they submitted on. We're going to know what happened in a given day or even potentially in consecutive days if they try to even break it out that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and once it makes it a lot easier for me, cause I don't have to break it all down like that, you know, and sometimes when something news come out, you know, I love some of our things that we have in place right now that we use. Um, and some of our, quite a few of our clients use, love it. Um, I could rave about it all day long, but it's, you know, when it first comes out, the new stuff comes out, there's always questions, especially with, you know, AI, you know, some people kind of have that question in the back of their head, can I really trust it? Well, if you don't really trust it, pull that data that it's showing, look at the same information yourself and then compare it and you're going to see it matches up. So when that happens, you know, you got some solid foundation of data right there through AI that's substantiated and you can go to town with it. You know that that information is solid. So anything that's popping up under that area, just run with it, go with it, you know, look at it and see where you, see where it leads you. Definitely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I thank you so yeah. much for sharing. Any, uh, any last words of advice? <laughs> Besides from no. all the ones you've already given. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it took me a minute to get used to the data because um, I was more, I always had to see things in front of me. I always had to see the picture, whether it was looking at video cameras, watching somebody steal, or it was um, looking at the data, verifying it through a video camera that, yeah, that's really what they were doing based on the pattern I saw in outlying, outlier reports to these are similar. These are your outlying reports. So I'm looking at the claims data to substantiate, I don't have video, but I got the claims data to substantiate what I'm seeing through the data reports. Um, and that, you know, use your tools around you, absolutely use your resources, your, um, the guidelines, you know, those are your best courses. And, you know, you should have great success with that and make some, get some of these people, get some of these fraudsters out of there and enjoy the, enjoy all your hard work as you see them when you look at the OIG, which are so great and so in when they get them in the very end. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And thank you as always for all that you do. Um, you are amazing in the data and uh, it's just, it's, it's just a cool thing to watch. So <laughs> for those oh. that they know, not everyone can see what you do. I know I can see it, but it is, it is cool to see how much you're able to, to find using our system and, and obviously in combination with just your knowledge and, and expertise. So appreciate all that you do with it, Kelly. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Um, and thanks for listening.